Welcome to True North, a podcast from San Domenico School that explores purpose through the lens of teaching and learning. This is Aran Levasseur, Innovation Lead and Humanities Faculty at the school. And today joining me is Morgan Bell, social justice teacher in the upper school. Yes, thanks so much for uh, for joining me on the eve of our Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, thank you for having me. Definitely. So social justice is obviously a main feature at San Domenico, but something you generally don't see in most high schools. So what's the origin story to becoming a social justice teacher? Is it something you always knew that you wanted to do, or is it something that just kind of circumstance and serendipity unfolded this unique path? You know, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, My students, the juniors, I teach all the juniors, have asked me that multiple times. Um, And you're right, like there wasn't, in my high school experience at least, a social justice class. I told my students I was the social justice class. Um, I think it was just a mixture of not seeing, you know, those things talked about um, Mm -hmm. and how it affects the world at large. Um, And then just really honing in on the things that I'm really passionate about. Um, I don't know if you're like familiar with like the strengths builders test, but um, Mm -hmm. my two biggest strengths are context and belief. Mm -hmm. So context meaning you want to know the backstory about everything and you want to understand why things are happening and belief being you're someone who's really driven by your morals and beliefs. And that's me. Anybody who knows me is like, if it's something against my beliefs, I'm just not going to do it. Like, even if everyone in the world is doing it, I'm just like, no. So um, I, you know, went to PWIs for high school and college um, in high school was one of four black people in my all girls Catholic school. And just encountered a lot of things, people touching my hair. My mom at one point had to write a letter to the Dean of Students because I was like, if these people don't stop touching my hair, it's not gonna be good. Um, Starting the Black Student Union because we didn't have one and at first receiving objection about it because it was seen as an exclusive group Um, and having to explain why that group was needed in a predominantly white space. Um, even planning a, you know, school, like a nation, not a nationwide, a, um, like regional, like conference for the, for the Catholic schools in our area, because that wasn't something that was happening to talk about diversity and different aspects of diversity. I did that with no money and little teacher slash admin support, um, until people finally saw that I was serious about it and then wanted to jump on board. So, um, you know, I always... I guess had that in me Um, even from a young age just being very passionate about speaking up about things even when nobody else is doing it Um, and then in college went to a PWI Catholic school um, up in New York and um, I started as a sports management major with a minor in business and when I tell this story it's really interesting because people who know me know that I used to be like a sports fanatic football college basketball basketball soccer hockey um, anything except golf I loved (laughs) Um, but it came there came a time when I felt as if you know I could go down this path of pursuing this major and earning a lot of money and you know having a high status or I could really serve other people 
and really live this life of educating people on the issues that exist so that we can better humanity. Um, I forget who the quote is by, but um, the quote goes like, we're always one generation away from human extinction. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we don't take the time to really serve each other, um, you know, that's really what's on the line. And so thinking about that, you know, one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this major anymore. (laughs) And I switched to political science and sociology and I'm so thankful that I did that. It was probably one of the hardest decisions I made in my life, um, especially because I went to that school for that major and I could go to any other school for political science and sociology. Um, through that process, I uh, discovered Teach for America. Um, and you know, I did my senior thesis on the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, mass incarceration is something I'm really passionate about, just given the stats and being from an inner city. Um, It really stood out to me and it really just reaffirmed that teaching was my passion. Apparently, according to my mother, when I was four or five, I told her I was going to be a teacher. So I guess I can say I'm someone who sticks to my word. Um, So I taught down in Atlanta uh, for a couple of years and I taught social studies, which such an important subject that people don't appreciate, I will say. because it's cyclical, it's, it repeats itself. If we don't see the error in the, the history, the, uh, the events of history, they're just gonna repeat it themselves and compound and get worse. Um, and so um, teaching my students from inner city Atlanta about some of these events, they didn't really care to learn about World War II and yeah. you know things like that. But when I started really breaking down the Holocaust and um, how folks were treated differently because of how they looked and what they did or didn't have, that resonated with them because even though my students weren't Jewish, they were black and had been ostracized from different communities, whether, you know, directly or systemically, um, their parents themselves. And, um, it was a lot. And I started incorporating mindfulness in the classroom as well. Um, just because my students would come in and have so much on their plate. Um, so that was a very taxing job. And, (laughs) I took a break from that, went to corporate America, and I will say corporate America was not, I was not made for corporate America. I found that out very quickly. Um, The subject of social justice in a corporate space is very different, and it's very, um, not to bash anybody with corporate jobs, (laughs) Um, very performative and very um, focused on social responsibility of the company as opposed to, you know, the greater good of humanity, and so... That didn't sit well with me. I felt like I was kind of just like checking off a box. And I really missed being in the classroom and impacting students and being able to see them kind of go out and take what they've learned into their communities. Um, And so uh, this is the serendipitous part. You know, I kind of just really reflected on what is it that I want to do. I I really want to go back to the classroom. I really want to teach something that I'm passionate about. And lo and behold, I, I opened my laptop one day and, and saw a posting for a social justice teacher. And my mom was like, that job was made for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the serendipitous part. But I think the universe and the powers that be are always listening to what you put out. So mm-hmm. really taking the time to be intentional about what I wanted to do. Because if I were to go back, you know, my dream job five years ago was to be a sports agent. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I definitely could have done that, but would I have been in a space where I was really 
serving others and really spreading education and um, just bettering society. I, I don't know that. So um, that's <laughs> how I, a short yeah. version of how I got to, you know, where I am now. So. Yeah, so it really seems like this lived experience. So your uh, passion for show, for social justice is rooted in being uh, an African American woman, recognizing not just in a you know all largely white Catholic school, but I'm sure in America, recognizing that lived experience of how much how far we've come, but how far we need to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Uh, I do think it is interesting uh, with the sports management. You know, your dream was to do that. And then I imagine there's probably some things you did learn, but then maybe recognizing that at heart, wanting to make that difference. And I know that a lot of the research says that when we actually are more focused on serving others, ironically, it it feels better for ourselves. So Mm -hmm. we feel there's a greater sense of happiness and well-being. Uh, It's wonderful. So... When you think about just all the different social justice issues that are out there in this country globally, uh, when students walk away from your class, what is something that you hope, in essence, they all learn? Yeah, um, I will say, you know, going from teaching in a low-income, majority black community to coming to a very privileged and majority white, um, and even though not all students are white, you know, them also being of higher socioeconomic class, which I think sometimes people neglect. Um, it, do, it does play a role in like their upbringing and their experiences or absences of experience. And so I always um, like to start with ourselves before we kind of like go out into the world and like try to change things and yeah. look at what's wrong. It starts from within. Right. And so the biggest thing that I want students to note is Um, although identities change and shift over time, when you have that strong sense of yourself, um, that knowledge of who you are as a person, what your purpose is, um, even the research shows that people who live purposeful lives live longer and are happier and actually carry out the things that they say they're going to do. Um, I think the the statistic that I told them was 75% of high school seniors who know you know, what their purpose is going into college or just going out into the world are more successful than those who don't. Um, So that's the kind of like literal sense of what I want them to take away. But in terms of the societal impact, um, just knowing who they are, what their opinions are on things. I think we're in a space now where a lot of times people kind of take the middle approach or opting out of things. And um, one quote that I always leave them with is when you're silent about things, you're kind of neutralizing and you're kind of indirectly supporting oppression you know and um my goal is to never uh have students feeling shameful or bad about the privileges that they have or the things that they don't have but to be aware of both and what they can do to create impact right and so even though i am a black american woman and i face discrimination because of that I'm also a cisgender straight woman and an able-bodied woman, so I do have privileges. And I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, when you're in a marginalized group, it's easy to see what you don't have. Mm. And when you're in a majority group, it's easy to see what you do have Mm. and feel like you're being shamed for it. So just seeing the the wholeness of ourselves is really important and the intersectionality of all our identities. We actually just did that lesson and the students really appreciated that because we often think that we're looking at life through one lens when we're really looking at it through 
all of the different lenses. So most people think, and even at times I thought I was only looking at life through the lens of being black or being a woman or being a black woman. But there's really so many different layers from which are built upon experiences, again, privileges or absence of privileges that really make up who we are as a person. And so really, um, it's been a truly great process seeing students kind of unravel that for themselves. And even they just reading their reflections, I've seen so much growth. Um, And it's only, you know, a couple months into the, the school year. So I'm really proud of them. And I think that really comes just with one, that that sense of identity, but two, knowing your identity and then knowing um, how to step out of that comfort yeah. zone and increasing your capacity because capacity is a mental thing. Right. You know, we place, we are the only people that can stop ourselves, although we see the things in the world that stop us or that may yeah. hold us back. You know, we place those mental barriers on ourselves. Um, and so when we're able to expand our capacity and step outside of our comfort zone and have those uncomfortable conversations um, or do those things that may make us unpopular, which in high school is hard because you don't want to be ostracized or singled out. Um, I can't relate to that because I was in a space where I never really cared about being Mm. popular and I didn't care about if I was the only person speaking up. So um, that's a different experience yeah. that even though I'm not too much older than my students, I can't relate to because a lot of them do care about those things. Sure. Um, and so just trying to kind of fuse together that sense of identity and embracing discomfort are the two biggest themes that they're probably so tired of me saying embrace discomfort and, and be vulnerable. Um, but I think that they've really started to embody that and it's that's really right. created for greater class discussions and even I've seen them outside of class just interacting with people who at the beginning of the school year they never talked to Um, and it's even interesting for my international students because this idea of social justice is really an American thing if you think about it Mm -hmm. Um, some of my students from European countries or um, Asian countries are like we don't have social justice in, in, you know, uh, Hong Kong you know we kind of all just assume that we follow this particular culture and it's okay, you know, um, or I have a student who's Lithuanian. He's like, I don't know what intersectionality is. Um, but I think that they do appreciate it knowing that they are here in a country that's full of so many different people and knowing how to navigate that. Um, and so I think that's what, make the, that, that's what makes the class truly great is because there is a plethora of lived experiences. And instead of trying to create this melting pot that America has kind of deemed as what we want, really just embracing the interwoven differentiations that come um, with us being people. So I definitely think like that identity piece and then also that sense of, okay, this is who I am, but how can I go beyond that and embrace a little discomfort are the two things that I want students to really appreciate. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I really love also what you mentioned about starting with that sense of identity and purpose and also teaching a purpose learning curriculum uh, before they wind up going into social justice. Uh, I see really the power of that to unlock creative confidence uh, and a sense of why that deeper sense of meaning. And with the end game of K-12 education, so often it's where you go to college, but there's Mm -hmm. not as much focus on why. 
Right. And that why is connected to that purpose. And when you're focused on the why, you're less distracted by comparisons. It's mm -hmm. less competitive because all of a sudden you're not really competing with anyone. You're trying to more fully actualize and understand who you are. Right. And that piece of purpose, too, I think this is why it's so powerful. You're starting with that. It's goals that are meaningful to the self but are consequential to the world. So it's not just about you. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, purpose is about the impact you can have in a meaningful way, leveraging your skills, your talents, your uh, joys, the needs in the world you care about. So I think that's kind of a cool place for everyone to start. Uh, love it. I'll just mention one activity that really captures, I think, uh, what you're mentioning with, with identity and intersection, uh, intersectionality. There's a cool constellation activity we do in Project Wayfinder where you choose three facets of your identity. It's self-identified um, you know, in terms of what you want to do. And then how does that give you a unique lens on the world mm -hmm. based upon that unique configuration? And at the same time, how does it also create a blind spot? Mm -hmm. And so allowing students to sort of uh, express their uniqueness and at the same time, because of that configuration, you don't see everything. Right. And so they get to also discover, wow, I don't see everything. So the importance of aggregating all this diverse perspective, it's going to help me navigate and see the world more holistically, which is exactly what it sounds like you do. So that's... I brought that. I actually brought that activity back for them uh, when we did intersectionality. Because cool. um, Mirza was talking about it, and they loved it. Yeah. They loved it. Um, and I, I did it with them. Normally when I do assignments, I'll do it with them. Um, and I've, I've found that that also helps them be a little bit more willing to be vulnerable because they yeah. see that I'm being vulnerable. Um, and so even just connecting something like being black and being vegan mm. and um, being a young adult, right? So there's stereotypes mm. that black people eat certain things. <laughs> yeah. And me, and, it, and I don't face the, I don't mm. face that from not like people outside of the black community, yeah. but it's like when I go home to mm. my family, they're like, you're not eating chicken, what? You know, so <laughs> even just the, the issues within us right. in a community right. that are being faced or even like I connected being a woman and being uh, from a single parent household um, and and being black, just thinking about uh, different family structures that were affected by slavery sure. um, and how that's kind of impacted generational ideas of what a family is in, in black culture. Yeah. And then I connected like able-bodied and like, I did some fun ones, like able-bodied yeah. and like um, educator and right. something else. But sure. yeah, it was definitely cool to see how the students kind of right. saw the privileges, but also the the challenges yeah. that come and the challenges don't always have to be from a dominant group they can right. be from your own community For sure. so. well i think what's so powerful about that is any culture or community is going to be very diverse mm -hmm. and so the stereotypes people have when you're saying like black vegan what yeah you know and and i think that that's what's so wonderful is when we're exposed to a diverse range of cultures and communities and values then you can no longer just stereotype people so easily like black people are white people mm -hmm. are asians are because you you only do that if you have no exposure right. to those communities and you realize wow they're as diverse as the planet itself in a number of ways which is so i think liberating and, and exciting uh to uh, to learn about uh i think in many ways uh, our species diversity is a superpower mm -hmm. <laughs> if yeah. we can tap into it the right way right uh in a, in a respectful uh understanding way so 
wonderful way of giving us a framework for social justice, how you got into teaching and passionate about it. Although I think you'd probably be good in sports management too. <laughs> you never know. Yes. You are so young. Who knows? Maybe you'll bring social justice into sports management That's the goal. Later. One day. That's I mean, you goal. never know. Um, and, and yeah, and really cool to get a sense of what, in essence, you hope students walk away from your uh, courses with. So what's an example of a project? I know we talked about some uh, activities that, that you do and that we both do, but, but what's an example of maybe a, a larger project that really captures uh, the essence of, of, of what it is your philosophy is for social justice? Yeah, um, I would say, since we're talking about intersectionality, I'll just continue with the whole lesson that we did. So um, I introduced the term to them um, of intersectionality, which I was introduced to in college. And um, it's probably my favorite social justice mm. term, probably just my favorite word in general. Um, because uh, when I learned about that, like I said, it kind of just opened this door to the many different possibilities of how I identify myself, how I may see people identify me, and thus kind of like what my experiences will be and what I want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I shared the video, uh, the TED Talk, um, uh, of what intersectionality is and why it's important that um, Kimberly Crenshaw uh, spoke about who she's the person who actually coined the term. Um, and so going back to your point about um, this absence of knowledge on communities, um, Kimberly Crenshaw talks about how uh, within this, this sense of racism, there's also kind of this racism and sexism when it comes to black women. Sure. And so when we think about the violence and police brutality that uh, black people have faced, media often covers the black men who have been killed or assaulted, yeah. but not the black women or uh, members of the black LGBTQ community. Yeah. Uh, black trans women, specifically black trans women uh, between the ages of 18 and 24, face more violence than any other group of marginalized people. And I tell students <clears throat> that not to create oppression wars, but because right. that's not what's shown on the media, people don't know that. Right. And so if you don't know something, as Kimberly Crenshaw said, if you can't see a problem, you don't think there is a problem. Yeah. And so if you can't see a problem, you don't think there is a problem, there's nothing to correct. Right. Uh, you know, when really, you know, thousands, if not millions of black bodies are being forgotten about. Um, and so after showing them that video, I actually shared with them my encounter with police brutality and um, kind of just reliving that in itself was a little bit traumatic. Um, but I felt as if the um, just sharing my encounter with um, being, you know, assaulted by a police officer at a at a protest back when I was in college, I could tell that it shocked the students. And my my mission in sharing that story wasn't to like scare them or anything. Mm -hmm. But you never know what people go through, right. um, and how their lives are impacted through the multiple identities that they face. Um, because you know it's interesting. I was at the protest and I was in the front of the line. And so there were all white people around me. And when I was pushed to the ground, no one really tried to help me, um, even though ironically we were marching for against police brutality, <laughs> but that's a whole story in itself. And so um, I asked students to really reflect on how their lives have been impacted by the multiple parts of their identity, not just one, 
right? I think, you know, if you're a white student, you can you can look at life through that lens or you can look at life through the lens of being a white queer student who, you know, may live in a single parent household and may not be, you know, wealthy as some of the other students and how that impacts your high school experience. Um, and we also did a cross the line activity, which I was a little nervous about doing. I wanted to do it earlier in the school year, but I, I'm glad that I took the time to really get to know the students and have them get to know themselves and create a trusting relationship where they felt comfortable enough to be vulnerable. Um, so I'm glad that I did it when I did it, which was last month as opposed to like <laughs> August or September. Um, and so one thing that they did was they stood on a line, an imaginary line, and I would read off different prompts. And if the prompt applied to them, they would step forward mm -hmm. and they would do it with their eyes closed. And then once they stepped forward or didn't step forward, they would open their eyes. And so, um, did that a couple times and I had some messages posted up around the room because the um, activity was meant to be silent. And so the questions were, how did it, how did this activity make you feel? Uh, did you learn anything new? Um, what did it feel like to either, because there were some instances where somebody was the only person included in the line or the only person not included in the right. line. So that feeling of inclusion versus exclusion. Yeah. Uh, I remember one student in particular saying they stepped forward because they didn't want to be left out. Um, so this idea of like exclusion and inclusion and then also like the idea of um, guilt surrounding privilege or lack of privilege um, as well. And so some of the prompts were, um, you know, step forward if you uh, if you or someone in your family identifies as a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and I included you or someone in your yeah. family because <laughs> I don't want anyone to like out themselves if they don't sure. want to feel outed or don't want to do it at that time. Um, one of the other ones was, so they started off very benign, you know, like step forward if you are this religion. Um, and then they got a little bit more intense with, you know, just like family structures and race and, uh, you know, gender slash sexual orientation. Um, and I even, you know, asked a question in regards to uh, feeling like having enough growing up like do you feel like you had enough or did you not and enough can mean resources or love yeah. um i had a student share i had a lot of resources but not a lot of love mm. and then some students said i had a lot of love but not a lot of resources yeah. um so even that was a little bit um heavy within itself but when i was reading their reflections they were just so grateful that they had the opportunity to do that, even though some students were like, well, I didn't want to be left out, but it felt good to like learn yeah. about where my peers are at. Because like I told them, these probably aren't conversations that you're having yeah. in your day to day, oh you know, like, no, no. hey, you know, so-and-so, you, know, <laughs> you know, so, but it Although creates- Although we need to. Yeah, and so. it creates those deeper, yeah. meaningful relationships, yeah. deeper than the surface level, deep, deeper than you know, what you did last weekend or what you're wearing sure. or who you're dating. Um, those are, I guess, high school important things. But the conversations that you'll remember years and years yeah. and years from now are the ones about who you are as a person and, and how you identify and the experiences that you've had and what's important to you. Um, so they definitely, um, even today when I was surveying them to ask them about uh, what they thought would be a good lesson for preview yeah. day, across all five of my classes, they all mentioned that activity um, and just talking oh. about intersectionality. So 
I definitely think that was probably um, my favorite lesson so far and one that really resonated with them. You know, and it goes back to what I think you were mentioning. In essence, some of the the skills you cultivate, the habits of mind, one being vulnerability. And I think people are familiar with Brene Brown and, and how she's saying that's kind of such a linchpin of the work that she does. And you can see that you need psychological safety to feel mm-hmm. vulnerable. So creating a culture where people can be authentic, but you can't be authentic if you can't be a little raw and vulnerable, mm-hmm. but you're not going to do it if you don't feel safe. So there's a lot going on to be able to do that. And more importantly, not only remembering those conversations, but you're helping to unlock something about themselves where they can be truly real and open and hopefully begin to galvanize that way of being in the world Mm -hmm. with their family, with their friends, taking those kinds of risks uh, and recognizing the importance uh, that everyone comes from such wide-ranging backgrounds and how can we show up and be real and then most importantly, there's probably that great sense of uh, connection. Uh, I'm sure you create this connective tissue between the classes by getting people to be vulnerable. You know, and, and I think that without that, we can't really face the issues that we all face uh, as, a, as a global community. I know we're, we both have deep admiration for James Baldwin. Yeah. And one of his uh, really penetrating quotes that I think we both have in our room somewhere yes. <laughs> that really captures, I think, uh, the work that you're doing, which is not everything uh, face can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. And mm-hmm. that goes about ourselves in personal relationships, uh, in the economy, in the, uh, in the political structures, uh, d- between religions, between uh, race, etc. So if we don't have that capacity to yes. be vulnerable, then we can't do it. So it really is so foundational, this work that you're doing, and I'm inspired. Thank you. So yeah. thank you, yeah. Um, I think the reason why it's important is because, especially at this age, is because I encounter so many adults who, and you know, not to make it seem like I'm better than anyone else, but are ignorant because they're afraid to have conversations. And so, you know, they may be afraid to say the wrong thing or to offend anybody, but I consider it offensive. If you don't say anything, you kind of just continue to live in ignorance (laughs) um i was telling the students today i was like we all have one of these so you know rather than asking always minority groups to educate you educate yourself um but i see that so much with adults um this fear of not wanting to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and so i've really just been drilling that in their heads of you know i don't think that unless you're being openly in you know, directly and knowledgeably ignorant and rude and, you know, just disrespectful. Um, there's not really much you can do to yeah. offend me personally. So I was, I always tell them, like, this is mm. a safe space, but it's also a brave space. I want you to feel empowered to say the things that, yeah. you know, you may not be able to say outside of this classroom so that you can build, to your point, those skills to mm. do it outside yeah. of the classroom. I had, I had a student, um, he mentioned in one of the reflections he did that, I was asking them what their greatest fear was. And so um, fear is like a a driving point for a lot of the things that we do or don't do in our lives. And so he mentioned that um, he was afraid to be in a group of uh, people of color because he didn't really know how to act or like what Mm. to think. And I'm just like, 
like you normally would, (laughs) you know? So I think we put this pressure on ourselves to be perfect and say the right thing and do the right thing. And the reality is that we're never going to be perfect. And um, one of Brene Brown's books, The Gifts of Imperfection, really talks about Mm. that and really talks about when we like, I've misgender people before, but it wasn't on purpose. You know, I apologize, asked them what their preferred pronouns were and made it my point to make sure every time that I saw that person, I, you know, spoke with their pronouns. So I think that, you know, this age group is really important because it is the time right before they go out into the wild, wild west that is college (laughs) and the rest of the world where, you know, um, they have the privilege of being in a bubble where they can learn and grow and then you know, take what they learn and grow out into the world. Um, so I definitely am trying to get them out of that. Yeah. I'm scared to have these conversations and um, yeah, just, you know, grow. And I've seen so much growth. Um, so I'm really, really impressed by the strides that they've taken. And everybody started off, even though they started off at different places, you know, you have some students who are like very introverted and very not wanting to talk about anything just getting to that point where they right. even say a sentence in class and, you know, that sentence being so powerful in itself, right. they don't need to say a lot. Sure. Um, I've had, like, international students speaking up that never mm-hmm. spoke up, like, in the first yeah. couple of weeks of school. So um, I think just appreciating um, their growth, even though it is all, like, scattered and right. at different levels and just continuing to be a good example. Cool. Um is what's really important. I That's always great. tell them, I don't expect you to be perfect, so don't expect me to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think just having that mindfulness and being authentic and um, really just, you know, bringing myself to the course is what's really, um, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, like, talk about myself too much, but I think that's really what's um, caused it to be a good course because I think when you talk about things like social justice, people expect everybody to have everything down and that's not the reality Mm. like social justice today is different than it was five years ago and it will be different five years from now um and so just being aware of that and just embracing being a human um and just serving i think are things that have really helped me to like create that really foundational relationship with them so yeah that's wonderful well Clearly, we could have a part two. This is just scratching the surface, so hopefully we'll do that. Um, Morgan, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. To be continued. Yes. All right.